Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Wednesday, January 12th edition of the show. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we have a new national champion in college football, Chris. You enjoy the uh, the ball game, Alabama Georgia. Uh, first half was really, really brutal to watch. Uh, second <laughs> half was really exciting football. It was uh, it was exactly what uh, you used to maybe expect from from a Nick Saban and Kirby Smart team, right? Like that's uh, that's what that football game looked like early. So it uh, it was ugly, nine to six at the half. Uh, we will, of course, break it down. We will get to, uh, oh, Georgia wins, of course, 33-18. to 18. We'll talk about all that here in just a minute. Let me go on and do the rundown right quick. Winningcureseverything.com, that is the website. Go visit it for us. Every clip, every segment, every show, everything that you need about us, that you would like to know about us, you can find over on the website. It's very easy to do. Also, if you would so kindly, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, whether it be podcast, YouTube, uh, Twitter, um, all kinds of different things. Go ahead and take advantage of all the different platforms. I think we're on Twitch as well. A lot of different places that you can catch the show. Uh, but podcast certainly helps out. YouTube certainly helps out. Those are our big ones. So go ahead and subscribe to those. I host the BetUS College Football Show. Uh, we do a show now that we are into the offseason every Wednesday. So if you would, go ahead and look in the description. There is a link you can subscribe there. And the show... Winning Cures Everything is brought to you by <laughs> BetUS. It is where the game begins. America's premier online sports book. Tons of great deals, bonuses, etc. You can find them all over at BetUS.com. Again, there is a link in the description for that. Chris, uh, Bama 18, Georgia 33. Kirby Smart finally gets the monkey off of his back. What were your initial impressions of the game that happened on Monday evening? Uh, I mean, yeah, I thought Georgia – when you look at the game as a whole, I really thought Georgia just dominated the whole game, which is exactly what everyone expected to happen for the SEC title game. And we didn't get that, and so everyone kind of didn't really know what to think. But we saw 12 games of, of, of resume from these two teams, and this game looked like the full season encompassing. Georgia was dominating the best team in wedding close, and Alabama struggled when they played a really good defense. Uh, this is uh, this is true. This is true. There is a lot that happened in the game that likely changed the script. Uh, at the end of the day, Georgia was significantly the better football team, and they have been uh, for the majority of the season. Uh, sans that trip to Atlanta, which we can talk about the Atlanta curses and whatnot, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we got the Braves a title. We got the Dogs a title now. Uh, hey, how about this question? If if you could have, like, if you're a Braves and Georgia Bulldogs fan, would you rather separate them out or just go on and get them both at the same time? Like, if you are guaranteed you're probably not going to get another one of these for 10 years, which obviously we don't know that, but if you couldn't get it for 10 years, would you rather have Atlanta win one, like, next season and Georgia win one this season, you know, that kind of stuff? I don't even know how to answer that. Like, that's a, like, what does it matter? Like, both of you, you, you're a fan of two teams and they both won a title. Like, 
would I rather, you know, the, the dogs not want it this year because I'm still living off the high of the brain. And so therefore, you know, can they win it two years from now when I feel, you know, worse about my brain scene? Like, I, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to respond to that. <laughs> it's, it's something I just literally thought up on the spot, but I was like, man, they got both of them. Both teams felt like they were cursed for a long, long time. Bulldogs fans, 40 years Braves no, 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 You you can talk about the Bulldogs all you want. The Braves were not cursed by any means, and the Braves have operated like a small market franchise for the last twenty years, which means you're only going to have one or two shots every ten years to try and win one if you're going to operate like a small market franchise. The Royals went all in, won a title, not even close since. The Indians went all in, got close to winning the title, not even close since. Like, this is how baseball works. Baseball is big boys are in it all the time, but don't always win. Small markets can win, but if you're not going to be in it every year, then, then you've only got one swing at that apple, and that's it. And that's, you can't operate the way the Braves have operated and expect to be in. That's not cursed. That's not snake bitten. Okay, well, then let's talk about that as it relates to Georgia. Uh, We're going to flip it around just a little bit. Can Kirby Smart continue to operate the way that he uh, built the team this season with a quarterback like Stetson Bennett and continue to, uh, yes, he will compete for championships. Can you expect to win championships going forward if you don't do something with the offense? Well, First off, why do we work in the under the assumption that he's not going to do something with the offense? Do we think that this offense is going to look exactly the same next year? Like, Kirby Smart is doing what Nick Saban has done, is doing what you're supposed to do, which is top five recruiting class, and, and really not top five, top two or three, every year after year after year after year. So, yes, he can do it again. Because he's going to have more talent than everybody else. Yeah, I don't think you're necessarily wrong there. The reason I bring it up is Stetson Bennett can come back and play next season, and how odd would it be to take the first national championship winning quarterback in 41 years at Georgia, who is still on the roster, and because remember, they tried to do this with Jake Fromm, or or didn't try to. They they kept him around maybe longer than they should have uh, because he was what was best for the team at that point, they thought. I'm just curious which direction they're going to go with it next year, but that... We're not worried about that right now. Obviously, we're going to preview all that kind of stuff. Let's uh, let's talk about some of the things that happened in the game. Uh, the First off, this game was violent. Violent defensively. It was so much fun to watch. If you are uh, a defensive fan, I think like you and myself, yes, it can be brutal when they are not scoring touchdowns, etc. But the chess match that was going on between these two defenses, pre-snap, especially pre-snap, trying to figure out where the pressure was going to come from, who was doing what uh, in the in the back seven. It was really, really interesting to see what they were doing. Uh, you know, what Georgia did was just try to limit the explosive play, and it worked. Uh, what, it, what do you think the biggest... The biggest uh, play in this game was... It, I guess the biggest thing was actually Jamison Williams going down... But from there on, what would you say was the biggest play in the ballgame? Well, I don't even know that that's the biggest theme or the biggest thing that Jameson Williams went down. That offense wasn't moving very well with him. 
okay? Yes, he had the biggest play that Alabama had the whole game, but he had one, and he didn't go down until, you know, middle of the third quarter. No, early second quarter. Yeah, it was. It, he he played less than twenty minutes of actual game time. Uh, he was he had four catches for sixty five yards already. Bill O'Brien had found a way, even though Georgia, you could tell early, was keying on him. They still were able to get him open uh, multiple times, and it, he is the mo- he he was the most experienced receiver on the team. That's, right? Okay. Biggest but play threat. At the end except. of the day, at the end of the day, scoring touchdowns is what matters, and Alabama couldn't do it. And while he was on the field, that red zone defense locked them up and bottled them up. I don't know that that changes a lot. Now, I'm sure everybody in the world is going to say it does. You replace him with another five-star. Okay, it doesn't matter. Like, like I, you know, so I, I think, I think Georgia in the second half getting the run game going and just smashed when they couldn't run it at all in the first half. I don't know what they did in the locker room to figure it out, but the offensive line was blowing Alabama off the line when they were run blocking, and very, which is very different than pass blocking. And they were making holes, and they were gashing them, and they were going on long, sustainable drives over and over and over again the entire second half. That's the I don't know that it's one big play. That's the most important thing that happened. And then in the fourth quarter when Bama was down real bad and they needed to come back, it was that defensive front that was getting pressure on Bryce all day long, but they weren't getting home a lot. Oh, they started to get home. He started holding the football just a hair longer, trying to make the perfect throw, and he was getting hit after hit after hit after hit. And and, and just the wheels came up. There was nothing he could do. Yeah, the uh, with, with Jamison in the game, they, they went down, they kicked a field goal, uh, at the Georgia 28, uh, and that was with 12.35 left. Uh, yes, that defense was getting home. I think Jamison going out kind of flipped the entire game script, right? I think that's the biggest thing. One, it, it, this reminded me a lot of the Texas A&M game. Uh, you, you have to get home at some point in the red zone, right? Or, or not even in the red zone. You just have to score touchdowns instead of field goals. Uh, on these fourth and shorts, you have to go for it and and trust your defense, right? If you, I I know the way that the game was going, they were just trading field goals, especially in that first half. But you have to understand at some point that you are going to have to score a touchdown. And if Alabama were to get up, I, I think the biggest play in the game was uh, was the Latu catch, right? Um, Latu had the the long long. Uh, pass reception going down the sideline and Keely Ringo chased him down which you know as a defensive back chasing down a tight end you should be able to do that but stops him yeah stops him at the eight yard line and then Alabama has to settle for a field goal at that point they score a touchdown there they are up by 10 points Georgia does not have the luxury because that ended up uh, I think they I think that's the one where they kicked a field goal it might have been the one that got blocked uh, but that blocked field goal was also insanely huge it kept it where Georgia could still run the ball in the second half, right? That's the biggest issue that they had in the first game is that Stetson Bennett threw the ball damn near 50 times in the first game. This time, in the second half, Stetson Bennett threw six out of nine in the second half. They got back to running the football because they weren't behind. That was the biggest difference in this uh, to me. 
Uh, the difference, by the way, with Bryce Young having Jamison Williams on the field compared to when he was off the field, uh, Bryce Young was 9 of 13 for 104 yards when Williams was in, and that's uh, 11.2 yards per catch. Uh, it, it, without him, 265 yards, and if you take out the lot two pass, that's the biggest thing. Uh, 26 out of 43, 265 yards, 8.6 yards per catch. I mean, it's a three-yard difference when they have Jamison Williams in the ballgame, and it's not all to Jamison Williams. It just opens up so much more when he's in there, right? Because Georgia didn't respect anybody else that Alabama had, and and with just cause. Because, good gracious, Ajay Hall and Jaleel Billingsley and all these different guys that were dropping passes, et cetera, uh, it was a train wreck. And there's a reason that these guys haven't been playing all year, uh, and it's because of that, because you can't depend on them in that spot. Now, that doesn't mean that they won't get there eventually. But last night, biggest stage you can be on, uh, they were not able to do it. Uh, let's talk about um, let's talk about Stetson Bennett right quick. Uh, the running game, obviously, was the biggest thing going for Georgia and the fact that their defense uh, turned the ball, or got the, the turnovers, of course. But this is massive for Stetson. Like, when Stetson Bennett can throw the ball out of uh, where he doesn't have to throw the football. How's that? Like, <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing for him. Uh, Georgia's offense is insanely good and incredibly efficient whenever they are not coming from behind, right? Uh, we saw Stetson multiple times try and press a little too much. Uh, how did you feel about Stetson and the way that the offense performed, especially in the second half? I mean, I thought he played well. I thought, you know, especially in the second half. In the first half, he looked – I mean, his first three uh, – two drives, obviously. I mean, he just looked shell-shocked. He oh, yeah. looked like he was just not prepared at all mentally for what was coming. And and he, he just was – the nerves were just visible. You could see them with your eyes how uncomfortable this was for him. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I thought it was going to be a long night. He figured it out. He collected himself. I think that says a lot about somebody, man. That that says a lot about a person. You know, to, to have ice water in your veins and to never feel that fear and situation, you know, that's one thing, and, and that might be a gift, and that might be confidence, and that might be swag. There might be a lot of things that go into that. But to, but to know that you look like a bumbling idiot in front of the whole world and know that you're the reason your team is falling completely apart in front of the whole world, and then to be able to collect yourself and to write that, pull yourself out of that quicksand, that's an impressive thing. That says so much about him, I think, as a person. You know, forget the ability to play football, and and is he the best quarterback, and and, and are there guys that are going to be better than him to start later? None of that matters, all right? I'm going to tell you this. Nobody that hits Georgia's roster next year that will throw the football has that in them because so few people in the world have that in them. Yes, I, I actually tend to agree with you quite a bit on that. Uh, he he stepped up when he had to, and no, as far as talent and just God-given ability, there's not as much with him as with some other quarterbacks that they could possibly get on the roster. However, I don't know that anybody could be a leader the way that he became the leader of that that football team. That, I think that was the biggest thing is you could tell the entire team seemed to rally around him. And it, it was kind of shocking because I don't know that I saw it from them. And 
I mean, Chris, I don't have to tell you. I, I've watched every Georgia game from middle of the year on it, just trying to get an idea, like a sense of exactly what this team is, especially leading up to the playoff. And I don't know that I really saw that out of them until really late in the year. Like, it seems like he really took this on uh, once we got to championship level. It, it, I, how do you feel about that? Like, what do you think it could have happened there to uh, to get everybody to rally around him that way? It just got better. I mean, he just put the work in. You know, you can't fake that kind of stuff. And his teammates see that. You can't hide it. You know, when you're the first guy in every day and you're the last guy out and you're doing your part, knowing that you're the weak leak on the team and everybody else sees that, it's impossible to not be drawn to that. It's impossible for that to not be a magnet for you. Yeah, yeah, I could, uh, I can see that. I can see that. Um, the ratings are out, and they, they literally just popped up as we're recording. Uh, 22.7 million viewers average last night. It is the, uh, obviously it bumped up 4 million viewers from last year's record low, but it is still the second lowest uh, in the playoff era. So, I mean, not even close. Uh, excluding 2021, Georgia-Bama is the least watched title game since 2005, and that was USC-Oklahoma. Uh, about what we expected. I mean, you, you said it the yeah. other, I think last Friday, uh, you said, like, this will not be highly watched. I mean, it's it's still a big number. 22.6 million is not uh, awful, but, you know, not what you would hope for. Can, can we say that? No, yeah. I mean, that's, that's done. That's given. Like, it's just not what, you know, what you want. But it's what's going to happen as you're as you're getting, you know, the, the teams that you're getting and the fatigue that you're getting. So I'm not saying that it's anybody's job to manufacture parity, but, you know, it, it, it wouldn't hurt, you know, to, oh, yeah. to, to find a way to get other people in there. That's, I would imagine on, uh, on Friday's show we will talk more about the college football playoff situation that's going on because it uh, appears to be – a complete cluster. It is a disaster that's going on with them. Um, I don't really have a ton of other notes on the game. Like, obviously, we could deep dive this really, really far. But uh, is there anything else about the game specifically that uh, that you would like to bring up? Um, I mean, I'm trying to think without just, you know, dismissing so much of it because a lot happened in the game. Uh, I, I'll tell you, when, when the interception at the end happens and you just see Stetson just – Oh, just, just breakdown crying. He realize he realizes it's over. He realizes all this hell that I've gone through, all this struggle that I've gone through to try to not be the reason my team loses. Uh, you know, he realizes we're we're champions, and and I'm a huge part of this. Like, like that's that's pretty unbelievable to watch. I'm not a Georgia fan. I do not like this team. I do not like this program, and I, and I don't like Kirby. Yeah, but, but Stetson but it's is impossible. easy to pull for. Yeah. He's it's easy to pull impossible, for. impossible to not root for him. It's just impossible. So yeah, I tend to agree. As an Alabama fan, I yes, it is very difficult to pull against that kid. I mean, it was just it 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 was very, you know, some some of these championship games and whatnot, they they can come across very Hollywood and whatnot. And when you do get one of those games, it is perfect television, all that good stuff. Honestly, last night for Georgia was almost perfect television. Uh, the way that that game was going, you know, Georgia rams the ball down Alabama's throat, and they go up 26-18. to 18, So there is still 
a a shimmer of hope at some point. And that interception return, with it being Ringo, and then getting to see um, getting to see Stetson Bennett on the sideline like that, uh, it, it was awesome for those fans. Like I, I was, you know, obviously disappointed for uh, for my team, but at the same time, you know, you feel good for Georgia fans, right? Uh, this this has been a long time coming. Georgia has been really, really close so many times, so many times. Uh, determining factor in the game, I think, was early downs. Uh, EPA for Georgia on early downs, 8.53, negative 1.39 for Alabama on that. Uh, I mean, Alabama ran 85 offensive plays to only 56 for Georgia. That's insane. Like, they, they kept Alabama at 5.8 yards per play. I mean, that's just, that is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And Stetson didn't yeah. throw a turnover. Yeah. He didn't throw a pick. Like, I, I, obviously, they uh, they did the fumble and whatnot, which was uh, Houdini kind of stuff. I got, hey, let me let me talk about this. Uh, the referees in this game, it was an ACC crew. I was, I was actually rather impressed with the way that they did. Because it, it, when you see stuff happen during the ball game, it is tough not to blow your whistle, not to call this thing dead, uh, to just let stuff happen. Because we see plays that get blown dead all the time, right? Them letting the plays play out and then letting it go to review multiple times, which is what you are taught to do, I thought was really impressive. Like, they didn't make every correct call on the evening, obviously. But, but overall, like, I was fairly impressed with the referee crew. Okay. <laughs> Take that. I'm, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure you were. So right, that's that's all I have to say about that. I'm certain you were. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. I, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was well called. I thought it was a well called game. Um. And like I said, I'm I'm sure you do. Of course. Of course. Uh. Let's see. Most important plays in the game per game on paper. Uh. The most important play was. Uh. Let's see. It says uh, Bryce Young being sacked at the end of the game, but whatever. Uh, Let's see. Adnay Mitchell, the 40-yard touchdown pass from Stetson Bennett that was on that free play. Uh, That was huge, huge, because Georgia's win probability before that play was 38.2%. Their win probability after was 63.7. That one play that Stetson took a shot on uh, was awesome. Like, that was a hell of a play. Hell of a play. The second biggest play was Stetson Bennett being sacked by Christian Harris and uh, fumbling the football. And so, I, I guess, uh, as far as an analytic standpoint, uh, you agree with those two being the two biggest plays? Well, well, one of them was a real play that actually happened, and the other one was a complete another farce that didn't happen. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah. The most important play that happened for Alabama was a play that shouldn't have happened. So, yeah. That makes total <laughs> sense, by the way. <laughs> Uh, the next biggest play uh, was for Georgia. James Cook, uh, his run for 67 yards to the Alabama 13, uh, which allowed them to get into the end zone. Um, yeah, Cameron Latu's run for or, uh, his pass for 61 yards down to the Georgia 8. See, that's the one that you have to score on. Um, I don't know what you could have done against that defense if you're Alabama. I don't like, either. It, it, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, everybody wants to be all over Bill O'Brien. Uh, when you... When you don't have Jamison Mitchell, uh, or sorry, Jamison Williams, and you don't have John Mechie, um, 
I, I mean, I don't know what you do at that point. <laughs> I mean, you're down there. The field shrinks. It's like everybody just forgets. It's so much easier when you have so much space because then you can get your athletes out in space. You can find ways to get them to the football. You can't do it when the field shrinks down there towards the end zone. Uh, and Georgia's defense is so fast. I mean, like I said, this is, it, this game was violent. I mean, both of these defenses hit so hard. It was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, all right, we can, uh, we can hop off of this. Let's talk right quick about the two early top 25s that have come out already. I, uh, I'm going to read off some of these to you uh, because I've done the composite already. Uh, the 10 biggest... Um, well, here, let me, let me give you, a, 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 I guess, a list of exactly who I've got in this because I averaged them all out. Uh, we have got... Da, 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 let's see. We've got uh, The Athletic, uh, Pat Forty over at Sports Illustrated, Brett McMurphy at Action Network, 247 Sports, uh, ESPN with Mark Schleyball, RJ Young over at Fox Sports, Athlon Sporting News, Dennis Dodd at CBS, and On3. All right. Uh, here is the top 25. Let's go through the top five as far as their average. Alabama 1, Ohio State 2, Georgia 3, A&M 4, number 5, Clemson. Uh, A&M and Clemson up kind of high. How you feel about those two? Uh, A&M, I think it's probably fine there. Uh, there's no chance on earth I'd have Clemson at five. Are you worried at all about Elko being gone from A&M, or do you think that the talent level has risen so much and DJ Durkin coming in is going to be uh, going to be good for him? I, I just A&M at four just seems a little, a little high. Of course, when you look at the rest of the list, I don't know exactly. I, I think I think DJ Durkin's a, a really, really, really good defensive coach. I can. I, I don't. I don't think they're going to. They're going to lose any sleep over that. You you might be right about that. Uh, number six in the uh, in the aggregate in the um, uh, in the composite here: Notre Dame at six, Utah at seven, uh, Michigan eight, Baylor nine, Wake Forest in your top ten. Any of those feel like uh, maybe they they might drop back a little bit? No, no, I kind of I kind of like this bunch, and I think and I would have all of these teams. I know it's going to make me sound like an asshole. I'd have all these teams over. I, I kind of tend to agree. Clemson lost their. their I, I think I would have Clemson between fifteen and eleven. That I think that's a fair, honest, real assessment of that team and that program. That is giving a lot of credence to the talent they have, because I don't know that I believe that you could just replace Brett Vittables with a guy. Okay, because that's what they did. They replaced him with just a dude. Yes, I mean it, they it, didn't go out and get a DJ Durkin. Yeah. They, they just got in-staff guys that they're hoping they learned enough when Brent was there uh, to, to make it work. So, uh, let's do 11 through 15. We've got Michigan State at 11. I I mean, they're they're losing uh, they're losing the wide receiver. They're losing Kenneth Walker III. Um, lost a couple of guys off the defense. But they are kind of restocking through the transfer portal. I don't know that you can do that long-term. But we'll I think see. you can. And the problem is, is how many people knew Kenneth Walker the third's name before this year? Agreed. Agreed. I mean, okay. they, they hit that, a home run it. with that. That's somebody, somebody. But yeah, but I think some of that is Mel Tucker. He's a really good coach. He's a really good worker. And, and, and he's building something there. He's having to do it through the transfer portal because he can't recruit at the level that he needs to. Um, and, and that's fine. But I, I just, 
I just think Mel's going to be fine. I don't. I, if this isn't going to be based on the athletes, this is a I trust Mel. And that makes sense. Uh, number twelve, Oklahoma State. Thirteen, Oregon. Fourteen, Arkansas. Fifteen, Oklahoma. I, you know, like I, I initially I thought, okay, Oklahoma, that might be a little high with them completely. Sh- they've got a bunch of guys in the transfer portal, but they're also getting a lot of guys in. And when I realized, okay, they got Brent Venables and they do have some talent on defense, uh, he might be able to to whip something up there. And he brought. I think in, they're going to look very different. Uh, very different, but also he brought in Jeff Lebby, and Lebby brought in Dylan Gabriel. So, yeah. you know, if Gabriel is anything like what he was at UCF, I, I still think Oklahoma's going to compete for the Big Twelve. Like I think they're going to be just well, fine. They're going to be in. They're going to be in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think Oklahoma's just fine. The the one of those bunches that I, I would I would actually be more concerned about the Uh Most certainly, most certainly, uh, and and for me. Oklahoma State has kind of been a product of Jim Knowles here lately. It, it has not been the offense that they've been winning with. I'm curious what they look like on defense without him. I, you know, we'll see. But Oregon for sure at 13 is, I mean, you're bringing in Dan Lanning, really young first time head coach. I know that his defense just won a national championship. But again, we, we've said, we've said this on the show so many times. Uh, trusting a, a head coaching position to the guy that, does the same thing as the guy that he was coaching under. Like, Kirby Smart is the one who crafted that defense at Georgia. It was not Dan Lanning. That's not to say Lanning isn't a good coach. I just, nope. you know, I wonder about that one. Um, well, yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, he's unproven. How many how many great coordinators have flailed out as coaches? Like, it, it happens all the time. It happens every year in the NFL. It happens every year in college. And it might be That's, it might be why Brent may not be super successful at Oklahoma. We don't know yet, right? Yeah, there's a world that that happens. That's right. Uh, number sixteen, we got NC State. We got Iowa at seventeen, Wisconsin eighteen, Houston at nineteen, and then Kentucky at twenty. Um, all those sound about right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would probably bump NC State up. I think they're 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 really good. I think they're bringing a bunch of guys back. Um, I would probably bump Kentucky up a little just yep. because I, I've i grown to where Mark Stoops is in that world where I just trust him. Well, and they've got a, they got a lot of young defenders. They're bringing back Will Levis. Yeah, they you, they do lose Wandale Robinson, but they got both of their coordinators back. Uh, Brad White is going to stay there. Uh, Liam Cohen, the but How many times have we said Kentucky is going to hurt because they're not the factory that everybody else is and they're losing this guy. They're losing that guy. And you know what? Losing those guys didn't matter, and they just found a way to replace them. Like, at what point do they start getting that level of credit that LSU and Georgia and Auburn get for, well, we lose guys every year, but we just roll new ones in? And that's that's the thing. Like, the when do we that... realize Mark Stoops <laughs> is doing that? Well, when, like, when's the last time Kentucky was even ranked in a preseason poll? Really? Like, I, I, I do I, not remember. Probably, probably never. Probably when... never. But therein lies the problem with all the preseason polls. Exactly, exactly. And yet, here we are. I mean, Kentucky's in uh, – they were in every preseason poll other than Dennis Dodds. Uh, and they There's going to be – I've only seen one of these lists that you, you named off out of all the people that you're given the aggregate for. So, there, there's going to be one glaring team that I think is left off this team that I think is a top 15 team and has the potential to be a top 10 team. All right, let's uh, let's roll through twenty one through twenty five. Cincinnati at twenty one, 
uh, and they lose a ton, man. I mean, just a it, a whole bunch off that team. Uh, and, Tim, and, they, and they might not be done losing, okay? Oh yeah. Oh no, you're you're not wrong because it, we don't know that the coaching carousel is done yet. So we'll we'll that's, see what happens. It. So coaching carousel is definitely not done. Yeah, we we got to see what the NFL does uh, as far as you know FBS uh, spots and whatnot. Uh, Cincinnati's offensive coordinator. Uh, is obviously the new LSU offensive coordinator. We hadn't talked about that one yet, but we'll get there. We'll get there. We got plenty of time after uh, all the the season stuff is done. Uh, Tennessee at twenty two, BYU at twenty three, USC at twenty four, and Ole Miss at twenty five. Um, okay, so, so the team that 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 I the one list I saw BYU was not on it, and I thought, well, I think that's not just wrong. I think that's a big boy wrong. It, yeah, I, I tend to agree. They've got a lot of guys that are coming back next year. Uh, trying to, and obviously you can't do this based on their schedule, but the schedule was uh, helpful this season, right? I, I'm I'm curious what they're going to look like going forward. Um, I, I, I think they're going to look like a team that's really tough to beat. So yeah, this next year uh, they they've got at USF they host Baylor they play at Oregon they've got Wyoming at home Utah State at home Notre Dame on the road Arkansas on the oh no sir, Arkansas at home at Liberty East yep. Carolina at Boise State and, and then they close with Dixie State and at Stanford that's a hell of a schedule no Ooh. it's an unbelievable schedule but I'm just telling you I think they're a really good football team and none of those teams are going to be glad they're playing. I know you. You certainly got that right. You have certainly got that right. I'm not um, saying they're going to win all those games. I'm saying they're going to go undefeated. But that's going to be a team that could easily have three losses, and everybody's saying, "Man, they're still a top ten team." I'm curious what Ole Miss looks like without Matt Corral next year. Like, I'd imagine. Yeah, they're be just fine. I, I am. Uh, ooh, okay. Our, our our definition of just fine are different. I, I think a the loss of DJ is big. Yep. And and I think the the loss of of Corral is big. I I think Corral the best quarterback they've had since Eli Manning. Yes. I don't think you just replace that overnight with nothing. Like, Agree. Now, obviously, transfer portal, all that kind of stuff, like there are still guys out there that could maybe fit. They're not going to be does. bad on offense. But, yeah. man, I, I, I love – and I love Lane. It's not a knock on Lane. This is a rotation of talent at key positions, which are the quarterback, the most important position on the field, and um, your defensive coordinator. Which, which is a big deal since that's the, that is a place you have the least amount of actual talent. Yes. So, yes. They're in life. USC being at 24, I think that's one that, uh, that by the end of the season could be ranked pretty highly. Uh, if but, Lincoln uh, Riley gets, uh, so gets Caleb Williams, like that could end up being a big deal. So, USC schedule. Yeah, I mean, we're all just tough. assuming that's all on Lincoln Riley, right? Yes, yes, 100%. That's just 100% all league. Oh, yeah. I mean, USC was not in three of the different polls, and they ranged anywhere from number five all the way down to 25 in the ones that they were in. So their their rankings were 13, 23, 22, 25, 21, 14, and 5. I mean, people are just all over the board with them. And I get it, because they got talent, and now you've actually got a coach there uh, I just I think it's going to be a little bit before they end up being like a, a top five, top ten team. Uh, but could I see them ranked in the top fifteen at some point this season? Like at, at maybe at the end of the season? Yeah, absolutely. 
Like uh, the Pac-12, it is gettable. I, I need to see. I need to see Lincoln Riley in a situation where you might have to reload. This might not just be we're a quarterback away, and if we get Caleb Williams, everything's fine. I don't know how much talent they have on offense across the board, talent-wise, offensive line, that kind of stuff. I don't know what their defense looks like. Not that I've ever expected him to have a good defense at all. I'd be real careful before because he took over a machine that was fully loaded at at, at Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. Oh, Oklahoma. And, and you know, now he's actually having to do a little bit of rebuilding. There's a world where the cupboard's fine at USC. You know, that, that world might be real. I, I think it could be I, fine. I don't, I don't know that. I think it could be fine enough for the Pac-12, right? I mean, they're, they're out of conference foe that is, uh, that is the biggest issue is Notre Dame every year, and they've got a new head coach. Uh, I'd imagine Notre Dame will be perfectly fine under Marcus Freeman, but... Again, first-time head coach, young guy. Uh, we'll see, you know, what ends up happening with uh, with him. But uh, but looking at, let's see, USC's schedule for next season. Uh, they open up with, da, 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 let's see, they open up with Rice. They play at Stanford. They got Fresno State, which is not going to be an easy thing. Jake Hayner's coming back to play for Jeff Tedford. Uh, they play at Oregon State, Arizona State at home, Washington State at home, at Utah at Arizona, Cal, Colorado, at UCLA, and then Notre Dame at the end of the season. I mean, it, they could have enough talent to to win nine, ten games out of that. I mean, they're I agree obviously with that. they could I agree also, with that, but winning nine or ten games ain't top twenty-five team. Yeah, if you're a nine-win team in the Pac-12, you're not in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, let's uh, let me let me read through the rest of these that received votes in uh, in one poll or another. Uh, Pitt was number twenty six, Penn State twenty seven, Miami twenty eight, Texas twenty nine, LSU thirty, uh, Minnesota thirty one, Coastal Carolina thirty two, Purdue thirty three, Fresno thirty four, Florida thirty five, Kansas State, Air Force, Nebraska, South Carolina, and UCF uh, all basically had the same average there. So uh, so wait a minute. Was UTSA anywhere in that? UTSA is nowhere in that. Wow. So they, they lose uh, several guys. I think they're bringing like – are they bringing almost everybody back? Uh, no. They brought pretty much everybody back this year. Uh, they Sincere McCormick is headed to the NFL draft. He, I think he was kind of the face of, uh, of that team. Yeah, um, they're losing McCormick. But I thought he was the only big loss. Uh, let, me, let me check. I don't know that Frank Harris is coming back, but we'll – We'll see. Um, uh, along with that, uh, I think they lose several guys on defense, and I think they lose a couple of offensive linemen. Uh, for the most part, yeah, I think like the the big names that everybody knows. Uh, I think, let's see, he was a redshirt junior in the 2020 season. So, yeah, Frank Harris uh, was a senior this past year, so he might have a COVID year, maybe. Uh, but according to where he sits, you know, as far as his eligibility, it looks like uh, he's out. So they'd have to do okay. a new, you know, new quarterback, et cetera. I, I trust Jeff Trailer to have a a good football team, but no, you know. I do too. But if they were bringing everybody but McCormick back, while McCormick's amazing, you know my feelings on running back. Like, oh yeah, most certainly. I feel like I feel like a great coach will find somebody that can do what he does, or kind of replace him in the aggregate they'll find a couple of running backs that can kind of equal what he did 
the uh, the only Mountain West team that got a single vote was Air Force, and they were number twenty four in uh, Brett McMurphy's poll. Like that's the only Mountain West school that actually got a vote. Disrespect for the Mountain West. Maybe they were probably the fourth or fifth best conference in the league this year. Yeah, you uh, you were not wrong about that. I, th- I think that's a big thing that people overlook when they do these early top 25s. Uh, they just don't pay attention to, you know, somebody is going to be good from these from these G5 schools or from these G5 Well, conferences. not just somebody. Look how many teams were good in the Mountain West this year. Oh, yeah. Like, go look at the Mountain West's record against the Pac-12 this year and tell me the Pac-12 is a Power 5 team. With a straight face, honest as can be, go look at those records and tell me you think the Pac-12 is better. Because they played it on the field, and they didn't equal better. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And if you, throw boy, if you throw BYU in that, it throws the numbers way the hell off. Oh, yeah. And, and of course, like BYU in at number 23 here, uh, that makes sense to me, right? Like at BYU is a really, really good football team, uh, but they don't play a Mountain West schedule. Like, oh, my, I lied, I lied. Fresno State uh, was ranked number 22 in Brett McMurphy's. They are a Mountain West as well. Okay. So Fresno and Air Force were the two that got them. Like, and no, no San Diego State. I was going to be shocked that nobody, nobody watches the Mountain West in this damn con- and these people cover the sport. <laughs> it's uh, it's shocking, isn't it? It really is. They uh, only do it for a living, Gary. I mean, <laughs> I know I have high standards, but it's it's kind of it's it's, it's ridiculous. It's not like they're. It's not like they're 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 a pot smoking moron that that does it from his his attic studio one day a week and then talks on the phone two other days. Yes, yes, I agree with you. You uh you ready to talk about the NFL playoff games? Yeah, man. All right, let's go ahead and dive into these uh, the wild card playoff round, and we will start. We've got six games this weekend, which is different than the usual four. Of course, they expanded the playoffs. Um, last week, in our picks on uh, on all the big games, I went three and four. Chris went one and six. And uh, I don't have the thing pulled up. Uh, by the way, we both went two, two, and one on our um, our super contest picks. All right, here we go. Here we go. I've got uh, I've got the actual gambling numbers up. Uh, NFL picks on the season. I am sitting at 66 and 70, and Chris, you are 50 and 77. Uh, as far as the super contest picks overall, Chris, you ended 35, 37 and three, and I ended up 48, 41 and one. So I only had one push, and that was that uh, ridiculous Jets Bills game where <laughs> where the Bills scored late. Just ridiculous. Um, so we're we're gonna pick every game. Let's go ahead and dive into it. The Raiders and the Bengals. The Bengals are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 49. The odds brought to you by BetUS, where the game begins. This game is interesting. It's Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Central on NBC. Uh, You look up Football Outsiders. Total DVOA, Cincinnati number 17, Vegas number 21. These two teams played not that long ago. And the Bengals just ran them out of the gym, right? I mean, that just ran them off the field. I kind of feel like the same thing might happen here. Uh, Cincinnati, strong advantage on special teams, number eight to, uh, versus number 21. Uh, that Cincinnati offense, while not 
uh, super consistent, has the ability, especially against this Vegas defense, uh, to hit some major, major explosive plays. And I don't trust Las Vegas to be able to do that. I, I don't think what they did against the Chargers is going to work against the Bengals. Uh, going on the road here, especially, you know, short week, going from Sunday night to the early Saturday game, man, I, I'd kind of like the Bengals to cover the five and a half here. Yeah, I do too. <clears throat> I, I think I think this I think this is potentially be the most exciting playoff game of the weekend, by the way. I really do. I think the Raiders will show up. I think it'll be fun. Here's the thing. The Raiders don't play normal football games. All of their games are weird. All of their games turn out weird and, uh, and and a little crazy and kind of exciting. So I think this has potential to be the most exciting game of the weekend. And uh, I still think the Bengals will cover. Yeah, five and a half. I mean, if it was a touchdown, I, I might feel the other way. And the numbers would actually tell you that this line should be closer to four. But the fact... I thought every one of these lines were way bigger than they should be, by the way. Yeah, uh, I don't necessarily think that you're wrong. Uh, but, I, you know, obviously somebody is going to cover as a favorite, um, or at least we would assume that. My gosh, in the playoffs in well, the past, uh, the dogs have... Remember a couple of years ago when it was nothing but dogs? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Remember uh, when I went undefeated in those playoffs? Yes, I do. Actually, yeah, I <laughs> you just took basically every dog. I'm going to see if you remember. No, we, uh, I believe that was the year that we closed out the conference championship stuff by uh, doing like a live show down in Tunica. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Back when, uh, back when we could get away with doing all that kind of stuff, right? Before, uh, before pandemics and everything else. So, uh, so we both like the Bengals minus five and a half there. That will move us over to the Saturday evening game, which is an AFC East battle. And 7.15 p.m. CBS, the New England Patriots travel to the Buffalo Bills, and Josh Allen and the boys favored by four points. Total sits at 43 here. Uh, if you if you look at raw numbers again, which uh, obviously that's not the only thing that plays into it, but you look at these DVOA numbers, New England's number four, Buffalo number two, uh, Buffalo's offense is number 10 against New England, the number four defense. New England's offense is number nine going up against Buffalo's number one defense. Uh, special teams is a wash. I I just think four is is too much. Like, this feels like a field goal game, and and I'm going to ride with the Pats here. It, it, I understand they got the, uh, the more inexperienced quarterback. I get that. But I don't know what I'm getting week in and week out from Josh Allen. And when I don't know what I'm getting from one quarterback, now don't get me wrong, Mac has had his uh, – he, he has shown his flaws, especially in that game against the Dolphins. Uh, you also got Christian Barmore that looks like he's going to be out for this game, etc. There's there's things that you could maybe pick at with the Pats, but I tend to trust Bill Belichick uh, more than than Sean... Uh, I just went blank. What's his name? Sean McDermott. McDermott, thank you. Uh, that's I'm going to ride Pats plus four. I just think it's too many points. So... I think these two teams are a lot alike. The pay, the Bills, when they are on, are far. Their ceiling is substantially higher than the Patriots. Is. When they are playing great, they are the far superior team than the Patriots. Yeah, they can blow anybody. But but both of these teams have potential to play like complete dog shit. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. And they both have potential to play really, really good. Um, with that being said, I'm with you in the sense of there's a there's a world where we get the Josh Allen that lost to, to the Jaguars, you know, that just fell asleep at the wheel a couple of times this year, and they just got beat. Um, remember, these two teams have played each other twice. They are one and one against each other. Road team won and dominated both games. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that that's a stat or a correlation. The weather will obviously play zero factor into this because both of these teams play in the same kind of climate and atmosphere. Uh, I, I'll take Bill and his experience in the playoffs, and I'll take just the coin flip that there's a chance that I'm going to get a shitty Josh Allen. And if I get a shitty Josh Allen, even if the shitty Patriots show up, this is going to be a field goal game. Yes, most certainly. That's exactly how I feel about this. I also believe this game has potential to be one of the most boring games of the weekend. <laughs> this this could be Alabama-Georgia first half kind of game, right? <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, me, either. me either. That's good for the Patriots. It's bad for the Bills. Uh, exactly. Exactly. It all plays into uh, Bill Belichick's uh, hands on that one. Moving on to Sunday, we have got 12 p.m. Central Time on Fox. The Philadelphia Eagles, led by one Jalen Hurts, heading to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Bucks are favored by 9.5. The total sits at 49 here. Um, look, 9.5, like, the Bucks have not exactly been covering uh, machines lately. And... I don't know what that necessarily means. You talked about all the different receivers, all the weapons that have been out for Tampa here lately. I, we're in the playoffs now. Like I, I would trust Tom Brady and whatnot, but I, I get the feeling that that this might be a little closer than you would assume. I got the the numbers on this. Uh, Philly is number fifteen in overall DVOA. Tampa Bay is number three. Uh, the Philly defense. It shows on the season, number 25, uh, but they have been playing better than that here lately. Uh, last weekend, of course, notwithstanding. Uh, I, like the, I like the Philly offense. I think it's going to give Tampa Bay some fits. I, I think the Eagles can cover 9.5. I don't think they win. I don't think there's any chance that they win. But I, I do think they can keep it within 9.5 here. Uh, I don't think this is the one that, that Brady and those boys are pointing at. So I think there's a way that Philly can can get back in there uh, and keep this within 10. All right. So you talked about how their defenses look really good. I'm about to read off their last, I don't know, several teams and scores. The defense gave up 16 points, 10 points, 17 points, 18 points, 13 points, last five games. That's incredible. Nobody broke 20. Yeah, those teams were the football team, the Giants, the football team, the Jets, the Giants. Yeah, okay, that, that, you do have a valid I, I'm, point Give there. me the buck, give me the cover. This this Eagles team is very much a, we. I'm going to use this phrase with another team later, we beat the hell out of bad teams. We really struggle against good ones. That's, uh, you know, you're not wrong. You are certainly not wrong about that. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, going and looking at the Bucks schedule, which they're 13-4, and four, um, to close out, they beat the Jets twenty-eight to twenty-four. They beat the Panthers forty-one to seventeen and thirty-two to six in the last three weeks. Uh, they beat the Saint or lost to the Saints nine to nothing. Uh, beat the Bills thirty-three twenty-seven. Beat the Falcons thirty-seventeen. Um, 
Yeah. All right. So you're uh, you're going to take the Bucks on that, right? Yep. I just right. think there's a far more. We're we're now in the playoffs. This is where I'm picking talent in coaching. That makes sense. That does make sense. I got a first year head coach and and a very inexperienced quarterback going up against the most experienced head coach outside of Bill Belichick in these playoffs, and uh, and and the most experienced quarterback on the planet. Uh, the game that I believe will be the ratings monster this weekend, the San Francisco 49ers heading to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. And the Cowboys are a three-point favorite here. The total sits at 51. Uh, Dallas number one in overall DVOA. San Francisco number six. Uh, that San Francisco defense is number seven overall. The San Francisco offense is number five. But that Dallas defense, number two, and the Dallas offense is number six. Uh, so Dallas, of course, overall DVOA, number one in the NFL. And they're favored by three. Uh, now, the numbers would have you believe that this really should be closer to 1.8. But I think I'm going to ride with the Cowboys at home. Uh, San Francisco, I just don't know what to expect from them on offense week after week. Uh, I know last week... You know, Jimmy G showed up, had a good game. They upset the Rams. You know, won the game in overtime, all that good stuff. Uh, Mitchell, the running back, had 21 carries, 85 yards last go-round. But I I just, I trust Dallas this go-round. Maybe that's more to do with Dan Quinn than anything else. But I, you know, Micah Parsons, everything that Dallas is doing, I I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing. So I'll I'll take the Cowboys to cover the, uh, the three here. San Francisco will not just cover. They are going to win this game outright. Boom. That is a, that is a far cry from what you were saying about them just last week. Uh, what changed your mind on them? Uh, the defense looks unbelievable. Uh, I think Dak has looked really bad through huge sections of this season. And uh, this defense is not going to be one where I think he's going to have the ability to feast. I also think they run the football incredibly well, which will slow down those blitzing linebackers. Also, I believe the best two players on the field are Bosa and Debo. At no point in time do I believe Alabama will uh, – do I have to believe that the Cowboys will have the best player on the field. Yeah, okay. Okay, I can uh, I can get with that. I'm looking through the, uh, the Cowboys' schedule. Uh, they have only got – let's see, one – uh, two. Wow, they've got three wins over playoff teams, and the Eagles. Rest and of two the of them are the Eagles. Yeah, two of them two are the Eagles. Are the Eagles. And, and, and one of those are the Eagles, where they didn't play at all. Yeah, they didn't. They just played backups. They rested uh, all starters in week seventeen. All right, eight. Right. Uh, so they lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Raiders. Uh, they lost to. <laughs> they lost to the Broncos. They lost to every um, playoff team but the Patriots and the Eagles. The Bucks and the Cardinals. Yeah. That's uh, huh, kind of second guess. You know what? I'm I'm gonna go with my gut. I'm gonna go. I'll I'll, I'll ride fine. Cowboys, no, and I'll let you ride 49ers. But uh, but you did make me question that. So <laughs> we got uh, we got two more games to hit right quick. Let's go on and and knock them out. Sunday is 7:15 p.m. on NBC. The Steelers headed to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Chiefs are a 13 point favorite. Uh, 46 and a half is the total. It's kind of a low total to uh, to have somebody that's favored by two touchdowns. But we have seen this Steelers offense. They are not 
exactly anything to write home about. Total DVOA. The Steelers are number 24 overall in the NFL, and yet they somehow made the playoffs. And Kansas City is number 7 overall. Uh, Kansas City's offense, number 3, against Pittsburgh's defense, number 14. And Pittsburgh's offense, number 25, against Kansas City's defense, which is number 24. I, I'm i going to ride Steelers plus 13. It's a playoff game. I feel like Najee Harris has, uh, has been able to run. That is the Chiefs' you know, weakness. But obviously, I don't feel great about this. I, I just, in a playoff game, 13 points just feels kind of crazy to me. But could I see Kansas City winning this game, you know, 30 to 13, something like that? Absolutely. Uh, but I'll, I'll take the Steelers here. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to take the Chiefs, but you're right. Laying 13 points. When I saw this line, first off, all I wanted to do was I couldn't wait until Ben Ben got in the playoffs because I was just, every year, there's one terrible quarterback that you get to bet against in the playoffs and it's free money and it's been free money for I don't know 15 20 years I mean just every year it's free money just take the worst quarterback in the playoffs and bet against them you're going to win money and then I saw the Vegas had the line at 12 and a half opening up and I thought holy crap they are not just letting you take free money this time now, they are they are making you work for this one uh, I'm still going to do it because I, I just think this Chiefs team could score 17 and cover the number. Yeah, no, that, hey, that does Chiefs make sense. defense has been surprisingly amazing lately. No, they they certainly have. They're uh, they're number 20 in rushing DVOA. They're number 23 in passing DVOA. Um, I just uh, I don't know. I've seen so many teams be able to run on them. Um, in Pittsburgh, you know, uh, while I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at Pittsburgh. Well, it's, it's really hard to run on them once you get down three scores. Yeah, no, that is a very good point. That is a very so, good point. So, all those games that teams that ran on them were in really close football games. And if this is a close football game, I've lost already, so it doesn't matter. But if if they're going to run on them, they're 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 covering this number. The problem yeah. is, is what what do you do if you give up three unanswered to start the game? Yeah, yeah. No, you uh Are you are you just gonna say, Well, we run the football here in Pittsburgh and so we're just gonna keep running it, knowing that it means we can't come back. That's yeah, I I mean you do have a point here. You do have a very good point because if you go down two touchdowns quickly, you are in a whole mess of trouble because the whole game script it's it kinda of what I talked about with Alabama and Georgia. Um you know, it, if if Jamison Williams stays in that game, Alabama goes up by two scores. Uh, Georgia doesn't have the ability to run the football, right? And it could be the same thing here with the Steelers because their defense is not exactly anything to write home about either. So, yeah, that's yeah. I'm I'm not going to change. Look, it's it. a big number. It yeah. might be the biggest number in playoff history. Okay, I haven't done the research on that to look that up, but I can't remember seeing many double digit playoff numbers, much less almost two touchdown playoffs. Well, that's, that's the biggest thing. Like, I, I, it's, I, I'm, a, I'm sure that we've had, like, some 10-point favorites, especially in wildcard rounds. I just... But 13? 13 is, is such a massive number. I think just based on principle, I'm going to take the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, but it might just... No, pr- principle alone says you should you should not make this bet. But... Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, uh, you're right about that. All right, so I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers here. Uh, we'll move to the final game... 
And that has potential also to be the boringest game of the year. With the Monday night game or the uh, or the Sunday night game? No, the Steelers game. Uh, yeah, no, Al, Michaels has, Al Michaels has to be hating his guts right now <laughs> as soon as he saw that that game wasn't going to be a tie. <laughs> no, you're, now, you're Al, not Al Michaels is just he's, he's just figuring out a way to get out of this right now. Like, can he? Can I get the Omicron? Can I? Can I just stay home? Can I just I stay home? Like, I don't want to watch this. We already know who's going to win this. Uh, I mean, he gets to you know he gets to call a game with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. I guess. I mean, maybe that's yeah, worth something. Yeah, but that only cares you so far. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, the Monday night game, 7.15 p.m. Central Time, ABC, ESPN. The Cardinals heading to Los Angeles to take on Sean McVay and the Rams. Rams are a four-point favorite. Total sits at 49 and a half. Uh, Rams, of course, well, both the Rams and the Cardinals closed out the season with losses. Uh, so now the Cardinals are on the road. And this seems like it could be a pretty good ball game. Uh, both of these teams have been... A little all over the map this season. Um, you know, the Cardinals lost to the Rams uh, back uh, five weeks ago, and the Cardinals beat the Rams in week four of the regular season, 37-20. to 20. I, You know, one and one against each other. I J.J. Watt's playing now, I guess. Uh, when you look at the actual numbers on this, uh, you know, the Rams should actually be favored by more than what they are currently. I think I'm, if if I've got to choose a quarterback to ride with on this, I mean, it's going to be Matt Stafford. It's going to be, you know, Cooper Cup, the wide receiver, that has just, just blown up receiving yards records this year. Uh, he's got almost 2,000 receiving yards, like just bananas. I am going to go with the Rams, I think. Um, you look at DVOA numbers, and it's... Like, to me, it's not even really close. Arizona's number 10. The Rams are number 5 overall. Um, Arizona's offense all the way down at number 15. And that Rams defense is number 5. I I think that the Rams defense is going to show up here. I'll, uh, yeah, I'm going to ride. I'll, I'll ride Rams minus 4. Uh, it's over a field goal. I think the Rams can win by a touchdown, maybe more. Yep. Nope, I'm 100% with you. If you look at um, Cliff Kingsbury's, resume all the way back even going through college but in the pros especially hot hot start hot garbage november december never played in january before finally playing in january don't don't expect him to get better now than he did then it's it's like he's able game plan together that teams aren't prepared for for a couple of weeks and ride that out but as soon as teams get enough film on him he just gets figured out seemingly easier than everybody else, and there's nothing he can do. Yeah, the uh, the last he doesn't know how to adjust. Tyler's not good enough to, to to do something miraculous to pull them out of it. You know, like I said, I've said it before. Uh, I've heard Bill Simmons coin Kyler the new Mister October, and that's not good in football. But that's what he is because in October he's the best quarterback in the game. And come November, he's he's mediocre at best, and that's a problem. They uh they started the season seven zero and finished eleven and six. Now, obviously, Deshaun Hopkins uh, out for the season, all that good stuff. Um, but it's not just one guy. Obviously, they they just were able they were never able to figure things out after that. Uh, you throw a loss into the Lions, there they finished the year four and six in their last ten. 
Uh, they were one and four in their last five weeks. Now, one of those was at the Cowboys, but they lost to the Rams. They lost to the Lions. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Seahawks. Uh, and that's just in the last five weeks. I mean, this is they, they got destroyed by the Panthers at one point. Uh, you know, I now obviously that was Kyler Murray did not play, etc. There was a, a lot going on there, but regardless, I don't I don't think the Cardinals are a very good football team. So, nope. so I think that there's a reason why you and I both like the Rams minus the uh, minus the four here. Uh, these total DVOA numbers that make Arizona look like a decent team, that's over the entire season. Um, I need to I need to pull maybe some more numbers and see exactly how bad they've been uh, in the past, however long. But well, if you, I, I guarantee you, if you start the numbers in November and just say how have they, you know, been recently, or not even. Re- I mean, I'm not just saying like a week or two. I'm talking like you know, last eight games. Weeks. The last yeah. eight games or, or nine games of the season, not the first. Like, how do they equate? I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'd be shocked if it wasn't just god awful. Yeah, I'm sure you're probably right. I'm sure you are probably right. All right, we both like the Rams here. Uh, let's give a, a quick recap on this. The We both like the Bengals covering five and a half. We both like the Pats uh, covering four. We split on the Eagles and the Bucks. I'll take the Eagles plus nine and a half. Chris is going to take the Bucks minus nine and a half. Uh, we are separate on the Cowboys and the 49ers. I like the Cowboys, and Chris thinks the 49ers win outright. Uh, Steelers plus 13 for me, Chiefs minus 13 for Chris, and we both like the Rams to cover the four there. Uh, we have gone over an hour. Is there, uh, there anything else you feel like hitting on? No, bro, that's it. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and get out of here. I'll go ahead and let you go, and then I'll wrap this thing up. See you, bud. All right, be good, buddy. All right. So that was Winning Cures Everything. We certainly appreciate everybody being here. You guys are fantastic. Of course, the college football season has wound down. We have no more games to discuss. Obviously, we will get into the Senior Bowl. We will get into uh, all of the different all-star games that are coming up leading into the NFL Combine, then into the NFL Draft, etc. But uh, but yes, the games are done. The season has a bow on it. Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs for a just fantastic, fantastic year. Stetson Bennett, the mailman, getting it done. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Uh, for Chris and myself, uh, go over to BetUS. They bring you the show each and every time out. BetUS is where the game begins. It's America's premier online sports book. Make sure and check me out on the BetUS College Football Show Wednesday afternoons at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Go ahead and check those out. Uh the two early top 25, all that good stuff. All these different segments will be cut up. They will be on the website. So go ahead and check those out over at winningcureseverything.com. And with that said, we will see you all again next go round. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, hopefully all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.